Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This podcast is sponsored by WordSprint, delivering your message to your tribe. Hi, this is Paul Lemberg, and I want to welcome you to Orchestrating Success with Hugh Ballou. This podcast is all about ways to redefine leadership as a pathway to increasing your business or nonprofit income. Now, here's Hugh with today's session. My guest today is a longtime friend and colleague, Linda Ruland. And Linda has um, a, lot of, a lot of superpowers. She's got some unique gifts. Um, not, not alone from those gifts is her, her wonderful, pleasing personality and her, her wisdom for things that aren't common in life. And I've enjoyed uh, working with Linda over the years and have enjoyed her, her, her insights into things that challenge other leaders. So Linda, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you, Hugh. I'm very honored to be here, and it is a privilege to be among the people you've interviewed because I've been following your podcast for a while, and there's some pretty impressive folks who have shared the stage. My company, Spirit of Success, is something you are familiar with. We've worked together for a long time now. Yeah, yeah, and and I prefer not to do these dry introductions for people, so I'm going to let you go ahead with that track and tell us about Spirit of Success and tell us a little bit about Linda Rulin and how you, you know, how you developed this skill and got you to where you are now. Okay, Spirit of Success was an inspiration a few years ago. Basically, we are coming out of a tough economy back in 2010. And that continued, you know, we slowly came out of what people often now lovingly refer to as the new norm. Mm. And from that, I wanted to see what could happen to really jumpstart us in terms of business and inspiration. And with all the change that we've going, got going on in society and in the workplace, what doesn't change? And from my point of view, the idea was that you know, the spiritual drive, the, the commitment that we have, the energy that we have within us is the one unchanging factor. So that's where the name came from. And since that period of time, I and a group of colleagues and friends and associates have uh, put together ideas on a website or two, one of them being spiritofbusinesssuccess.com, where we discuss success stories, solve or at least uh, share ideas on solving problems of common issues with regard to business and with regard to workplace issues that uh, keep or advance business based on where we go with those initiatives. Now, you got a new book out. I, I know something about this book. Mm-hmm. You are in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am in it. Uh, so what... What prompted you to want to put a book out? There's lots of books out. So what's the specific niche? What's the title of the book? And what's it all about? The title of the book is Amazing Workplace. 
And the workplace, of course, with business is where everything comes from. That's where success is really evolving from. If you, it's no big secret, if you look at some of the Gallup findings, there are about 70% of people who are disengaged at work. You couple that with the fact that 51% of the people who are at work are looking for other jobs and contrast that with the fact that we are in a declining job market and new business startups are declining. We've got forces going in the wrong direction. Wow. That's yeah. a huge, that's not one problem, that's a series of problems. So let me, yes. let me recap that. The Gallup poll, um, and it, they've been doing it for years and they consistently come back to around 70% of the workforce is disengaged or actively disengaged. Yeah. They equate to $500 billion in lost profits. Mm -hmm. um, and then you throw out another number. How many people are looking for another job? 51% of everybody at work today right now is looking for a different job. Wow. Wow. And that's primarily the, the business, the corporate sector, correct? That's business across. That's another Gallup finding in the same report. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the numbers are even higher in the in the nonprofit sector, but business sector that's pretty alarming. And I don't know that leaders leaders um, really fully grasp the importance of that. We um, we got this thing turned around where where um, we as leaders, CEOs, COOs, whatever, we think all those people depend on us, but really we depend on them. <laughs> and, yes. <laughs> we, got, we, need to, we need to preserve our workforce. So, so you're in business to help people solve problems, right? Yes. I'm in business to really create more of a positive uh, work. I mean, if it comes right down to it, I want to see people happy and healthy and, and really experiencing rewarding work lives because it relates to everything in life. We spend too much time at work not to be happy with it. Oh my word, 30 your life, eight hours a day. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Um, so um, what is it that, that, that you have that helps people improve? What would you call, what, what are they working on? What are they improving? Well, if we're talking about Amazing Workplace, which has been a focus right now with Spirit of Success, Amazing Workplace delves into, as your colleague Dave Gruder, Dr. David Gruder had pointed out, some of the less talked about nuances that really make a difference with workplace success. When you think about it, the things that happen at workplace, workplace is a canvas, and that canvas is painted by what comes into the room, so the people, the mindsets, the attitudes that come into the room, the structure, the framework within which the business is created, the communication. So how is the focus, how is the thrust of that business communicated? And then the ability or lack thereof of people to work together. When I started interviewing friends, colleagues, professionals in this arena, I found that there is so much that can be done, that should be done, to make a difference. 
In fact, you can just pick one that works for you. I interviewed 12, let's call them my, uh, thought leaders or gurus, on different subjects pertaining to work. And as a result of those interviews, I divided the areas of concentration in the book, if you will, into three separate sections or chap um, chapter leads. And one section has to do with personal care and self-esteem. The second section has to do with culture and communication. And the third has to do with collaboration and team building. And within each of these is a, an overview of areas that you, you as a leader or as an individual, an employee, can do a deep dive. The employee, the person who comes to work, has so much more uh, influence than I think any individual gives him or herself credit. So that's really what the first section of the book is all about. We've got Jean Brené talking about nourishment. We deal with a lot of nutritional issues in this society. We talk about what are the right calorie amounts, uh, avoiding fat, but are we talking about nourishment? Her perspective is that each and everybody's individual chemistry is a little bit different. And each of our bodies, if we start to learn to listen to them and pay attention to them, it has, has a different set of chemistry that works in favor or against. The other thing that she mentions is that we're doing things to harm ourselves in the workplace. We're working so hard that we skip meals. We skip the opportunity to drink enough water. We are so focused on how we look, we forget about how we feel. So that's, that's the first avenue is, how, you know, what are you doing for your body? And it doesn't involve so much as, you know, complicated or physically athletic things, but just good self-care. Another perspective that uh, my friends at Inspired Thinking bring about, Julie Hill, who used to work for Horst Reckelbacher, who was uh, the founder of the Veda Institute, says that, you know, with all the supermodels she worked with over the years, she found one thing in common. They lacked personal self-esteem. They were always paranoid about how they looked and how they were received. And she said it goes a long way, a long way to just have that feeling of accepting yourself. And she goes into some details and examples about how that can work for you in the workforce. And you get to what our friend Jane Sanders talks about with regard to hand analysis. Uh -huh. now, some people think that hand analysis might be woo-woo, but when you consider the fact that a, a thumbprint or a fingerprint contains a lot of data and information that is very commonly used to identify a person, now multiply that by all the fingers in the palm of the hand, and you realize that there's a mapping system to the neural network of every individual's brain. And what she uses that information for is to ascertain, to tell people what it is that their strengths are, give them some positive feedback or affirmation about things they might know about themselves or discover some um, details that may have not come to the forefront yet for them. So that's uh, you know very, very quick skimming of the first uh, section of this book is all about self-care, self-esteem. The next section is about communication and culture. My friend, are you there? I'm here. I just, um, for people that are watching that we, we also record the, um, um, the podcast and video on, put it on YouTube. And so I put a cover of the book up for people to look at 
The stunning. Yeah. I like that. That that that. Um, I don't know what you call that image on the front. It kind of pulls you in to the vortex there to get your get your interest. So I'm 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 really fascinated by how you have divided up the different sections in this book. So sorry to interrupt you. This is this oh, is great. I want to give people a visual that uh, you can you can find the um, the video on the Hugh Blue YouTube channel. So go ahead, Linda. And well, it, you bring up the cover. The cover is something that uh, my designer and I worked on from the perspective of all the different things that go into making a workplace. So we were looking for an image that represented that infusion, or as you mentioned, vortex, where all these different ideas and colors and personalities and factors combine into something that is utterly creative. And as a result of those combinations, and you think about it, there's so much that can be changed or manipulated or made better. And that's what we're looking for. And that's what we're seeking with regard to Amazing Workplace. Uh, we talked a little bit about the culture with, with regard to communication. There's so many entrepreneurs in particular who have a vision, a strong vision about where they want to be or where they want to go. And those who really laser focus on what they want to do do it and have great success with it. But sometimes they miss their people in the process. They have to bring them with. <laughs> and that's what this section is all about. What are you communicating? How are you framing what you do as a company? And if this pertains to little companies and great big corporate entities. How do you frame what you do as an organization? so as to empower the individuals to take part in that, to help that along. Because if they have to wing it, what are the chances of them getting it right? What are the chances of you organizing this into something that's really moving in a very specific direction? It's not good. And then secondly, if you've got those pieces in place and somebody provides you with some contrast, and we call it sometimes conflict resolutions, what Welshland talks about the fact that you should look at that not necessarily as conflict confrontation, but an opportunity to create a new perspective, a new way to, like the cover shows, mix things up again and come up with different positive results. It, I'm, I'm thinking about, so give me the three sections again in the book. The first section is about... first section is self-care and confidence. Second one? Second is communication and culture. Okay. And the third section is team building and collaboration. Now, I, I know that you have formal education and extensive expertise and background in marketing. I do. And it would occur to me that um, there's some internal marketing that needs to happen from the, the visionary leader to market what you've talked about, the brand, to market to the people so we really understand we don't have a, a culture because people haven't been tied into the vision. So part, speak to marketing is acquainting people with the value of what you have, letting them be aware of where you're going and, and, the, and, the, and the pieces that you offer. So reframing, I just came to me in the, the middle of what you're saying, and I was listening though, reframing, <laughs> reframing marketing internally. Am I off track or is that part of what you're seeing here? couple of things on that topic. One, 
there is a section in the book, a chapter in the book by Ed Bogle about, uh, as he puts it, writing for the brand, getting people engaged in the idea of what this entity is and having some pride and ownership in it. With connected to that, with what Spirit of Success is doing, we're, we're, we're making some observations here about what marketing looks like in our current scenario. And we've talked about success platforms. And success platforms, we're looking at the fact that marketing is no longer uh, ready, shoot, aim, or ready, aim, shoot kind of scenario. This target marketing and the scientific demographics and this putting that value proposition out there is all well and good. But with the internet really having become the mainstay of people's source of communication and entertainment and everything else, it seems, we have increased people's decision-making capabilities exponentially. And those decisions are no longer just focused on the utility of an item or a product. It's more focused on how that makes them feel. The emotional value has gone way up in the scale of importance in terms of a decision. They want to know who you are, what you produce, why you produce it, why they should like you, why they should buy from you, and they want to feel connected to you. We just want to be connected. And this is so much, again, uh, almost, almost a copy of what's happening in the workplace. You're selling that whole system, that, that success platform within the organization to the people who work with you so that they can communicate it and amplify it out to the public and to their friends and family and beyond. And you as a company do the same thing. We're becoming more of the same, really. And that's what a business is, after all. I mean, we call it all sorts of different things. It's got different connotations in movies and in the news. But ultimately, business is and always has been an entity. It's a reflection of our humanity. Ah, very well put. Who, when we wrote this book, who were we writing it for? We were writing it for mainly anybody who is in a leadership position to influence a team of people. And that's where you came in with regard to teamwork. And um, you mentioned Ed Bogle, B-O-G-L-E. Ed's a master strategist. Yes. And understands strategy. And Ed and I work together in the integration of strategy and performance. Because um, people want to write a plan, and as Ed, Ed puts it, it becomes credenzaware until yeah. we, we make it come alive. So there's, there's an interaction there that, that must take place. So building the team, but you build it around the strategic framework that Ed creates. And you mentioned uh, Dr. David Gruder, G-R-U-D-E-R. -E both of them have been on my podcast. Um, and uh, David and I are colleagues. We, I work with David as well on culture culture pieces. So we, we understand... Uh, this and I, I think you're you're bringing points up that most of the people I experience don't recognize. They might give it some superficial thought here and there. They don't bring it into it's real for me and it's really impacting my bottom line. And as you know, this orchestrating pot, orchestrating success podcast, its subtitle is converting passion to profit. Leadership is a pathway to profit. And profit may not be our main focus, but profit is our main product that we need to feed ourselves. And we feed ourselves by helping people solve problems, 
by bringing value to others. And we, we really need to focus on how we're going to drive that value. And the reciprocal of that is bringing the value back to us, which is revenue that, that helps us create the lives that we want. And everybody in the system contributes to the system, whether it's good or bad. And um, you mentioned David Gruder, and we, we deal with situ situations where there's conflict. And what I've learned from him and from life and from my studies with, uh, with the work of Murray Bowen and Bowen Leadership Principles is that everybody in a culture contributes. And if there's conflict, everybody contributes. If there's a wholesome culture, everybody contributes. And part of my journey is helping leaders reframe leadership because they've learned it wrong. So you've got a goldmine of resources in this book and in programs that all of those authors offer, I'm, I'm sure, because I know I have, I have programs and you probably have others. So you have not only your programs, but you have the, the aggregate of all the value that all of your authors and all of the people you represent with Spirit of Success, all of what we have to offer. What's your biggest challenge when you're talking to leaders in help them, helping them be self-aware, helping them recognize that there's something missing. What do you think is the biggest barrier for them understanding? There is so much noise out there. As I mentioned earlier, as a lot of the authors, which is really an interesting phenomenon, because each of these authors has a different area of focus, there's definitely a correlation that happens as you read the book and you see that it all strings together. The noise out there as far as what the solution is gets confusing. And I believe, particularly after composing this book, which I couldn't have done without all the insights of all the authors, that it really is unique to the organization. Pick one. Pick the area of focus that you think could make a difference for you, that you feel, more importantly, that you feel and believe could make a difference for you. And then go there. Do that. Don't worry about what everybody else tells you to quit running after other people's advice. It'll always miss because they don't know you and your organization as well as you know your organization. But go out there, be selective, and you be the decision maker as to where you're going to work. And realize that with all these different things that mix into the pot that creates your workplace, there's a lot that can be done. And if you try to take on too much, it's not going to do well for you. What do you hope? When people, the book is sort of, in my mind, the, the tip of the iceberg. You have lots of resources that are connected to the book, but the book is sort of your business card, business card for each of us that are in there, but it's, it's the tip of awareness. What do you hope people will gain by reading this book? My hope is that people will wake up to all the opportunities that they have before them to make a difference so that they feel and know that they have the power to do something. And like I mentioned earlier, you could be an individual on a team or you could be leading the team. In either case, you have a great deal of influence over the success of what is happening for you. And furthermore, when you go back to those Gallup findings, realize that in looking elsewhere, if you spent a little bit of that time looking at yourself perhaps and realizing that there's something I can do here for myself now, that's empowering. And I want people to realize that there's so much 
that they have available to them that they won't need to feel overwhelmed mm-hmm. and that they can do a great deal of good for the organization that they are already in and all of a sudden find themselves being more highly valued. Sometimes it's hard to believe at first, but you know, if you, if you open your mind to the opportunity, you'd be surprised sometimes. Well, that to me is the biggest barrier is open mind. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do find that leaders that, that think they know it all are, are dangerous. And they not only limit their own success, but they limit the success of the organization. And Don Maxwell has in his 17 irrefutable laws of leadership, the law of the lid, which is your organization cannot develop any further than your own ability. So, you know, my work, as you know, is around helping leaders develop the ability to lead the team. You have a great team and you can't lead them and they're going to, they're going to get tired and leave. They're going to get frustrated and leave. They're going to get turned against you and be angry. Um, so, so reading the book is a way to gain some self-awareness, would it not be? Absolutely. Okay. Both awareness of yourself and the, the details that happen, the, the really wonderful things that can happen on your team if you pay attention. So we've, and they can find the book um, on Amazon, Amazing Workplace, uh, and the subtitle is Creating the conditions that inspire success. And I wanted to have you on this podcast because we resonate so much in, in the philosophies of how things work. And I find that you said there's a lot of noise out there and there's a lot of quick fix solutions. Do this and you'll make money. It really hadn't done anything to create sustainable revenue or build a sustainable enterprise or, or create more skill in the leader to, to, uh, to create a sustainable team. And so we want to look for something now that's, I don't have time to learn. Well, you ought to spend some time because you could do a major transformation of yourself and your organization if you dug into some of these themes. So I'm fascinated with the nutrition piece because that's, that's a hot button for me is to make sure I'm doing my best and to be able to do my best, I have to be on my game. And if I eat crappy food, I'm not on my game. And I've, I've eaten good food so long, when I have a bad meal, my body tells me, <laughs> no, no, Baloo, what are you doing to me? Um, and then, uh, so Ed talks about the strategy, and I talk about teamwork. I forgot, it's been such a long time ago. You were really good at pre-doing the book way before launch and getting all the content in. But mine, mine is about the creating the, the team. Was that what it was about? Yours is about orchestrating the team. The, the whole section on teamwork is an interesting thing because a lot of, in a lot of cases it circles back. Within this section on teamwork, for example, Darren Nelson, who was a Heisman Trophy nominee, he is now the athletic director at the University of California, Irvine, and was for Stanford for a number of years. But he talks about really three simple concepts that the team section is all about. It says, be in good shape, study, and learn. Your section of the section on uh, teamwork has to do with being that leader, orchestrating that success, making sure that people are paying attention and listening to one another and ready to act and respond in a very specific way. Glenn McLaughlin brings in the fact that you have to be in tune first before you can listen to others. So he brings another flavor to that, if you will, but being in the seat and listening to one another, or as you put it, being in front 
in the conductor's seat and being sure that the people who are on your team are ready to perform. And it's all fascinating combinations. And again, amazing correlation from different thought leaders from different perspectives. Very different areas. Billy and I are both musicians. He's, he's crazy dude too, but he, mm -hmm. uh, he's very gifted and he, he has a different, a whole different shtick, but leadership shows up nevertheless in what we do. And music, by the way, is a right and left brain function. It's very structured and we have to be creative in the structure. So, so what you're helping me realize is that, um, creating the amazing workplace is understanding the elements of culture. And then how do we create the system that people can, can be creative in? And a lot of leaders feel like if you create too much of a strategy, too much of a system, then it stifles creativity. And I say to them, the antithesis of that is true. The, the, the system is a container for creativity. If you've mm -hmm. got this container, then you can put all your focus on the creativity. So what Billy and I understand intuitively is that you have this structure for music, which is very rigid, very unforgiving, very mathematical, very precise. Then once you've got that in place, then you can make the magic happen and you make the creative part happen. So I really admire the work of Ed Bogle, who's got a chapter in here in the, uh, the, the, the gift of strategy. It's really a gift if you've spent the time to clarify where you're going and how you're going to get there. And then my piece of putting the team together. So I was, um, I was pleased when you asked me to do the book. I didn't really get it. Um, and you were very patient with me. <laughs> Helped me to figure out where I, and you had it in your mind and, and you got in me along the pathway. And so I'm grateful to be in the book. And I'm also grateful to be a collaborator with Spirit of Success. And, and so I've, I've heard lots of nuggets in this podcast that have given me a reason to upgrade my thinking. And my whole perspective on this podcast is, yes, leadership is, is you're converting your passion to profit. Leadership is that pathway to success. It's the pathway to profit. Profit has more meaning than money. And uh, money is, is the commodity we must have when we're in business. We, we must have a quantifiable financial results. So you're, you've given me some nuggets to think about. And um, I really want to, to give you a, a final piece to, to give people a challenge, a tip, uh, a closing thought as we close out this podcast. Because I, I'd like people to, to look at the book. Not only, not only because I'm in there, but because there's a lot of things that I think are missing in the marketplace for, for leadership development. There's tons of books on leadership. There's not a book just like this one with uh, the amount of resources. But I want to, while you're thinking about your closing comment, we, are, we have sponsors for this podcast. And our sponsor for this one is Cyber University, UMC Cyber Campus. UMC, it's United Methodist Church, cybercampus.com. Um, advanced degrees that you can study from home, build your leadership skills. It's meant for Christian leaders. I believe that good leadership is good leadership. So check out UMC, cyber, C-Y-B-E-R, campus.com. It's very, very good. And Center Vision uh, is proud to be one of the supporters by offering our leadership programs. And um, clergy and a number of denominations can receive continuing education credit, as can HR professionals and 
a ASAE members and other professionals. So we do offer offer advanced education credits for people who really understand they want to improve their abilities, which helps them improve their ability to grow and lead and make more money and be more valuable to the organization, whether it's their organization or they work for another one. Um, so that's, that's the helps us put together the technique and the tech tech for these podcasts. And we certainly support those few sponsors that make a difference for our lives. So, so Linda, as we end up this, this podcast, um, we will transcribe it and it will be on the, uh, on the container on iTunes for the podcast. Um, but they can grab some of the thoughts that you've, you've given us lots of little really valuable uh, nuggets today. What do you want to leave people with as, as we're ending up this podcast? What is your wish for people or what, what impression do you want to give people as you leave this? You mentioned a couple of times throughout our time here this morning that profit's an important thing, but these are important too. I reflect back to some of the words that Ed had said in the strategic planning portion or the human element of strategy portion of this book. And that is, if you focus on these areas, if you get your people playing together correctly, if you have your vision in hand and people are writing for the brand, the profits will come. So we are not separate from profits. This is the foundation, the source of profits. Just another way of looking at it. Linda Rulin, Spirit of Success. Um, the book is Amazing Workplace, Creating the Conditions That Inspire Success. And it's on Amazon. And you pick it up on uh, your or paper version. And I think there's a Kindle. Is there a Kindle it's one yet? It's a come. Within the next week or so, yeah. Okay, well, by the time this podcast hits the street, it will be live. So uh, I love Kendall. Uh, Linda Rillen, thank you for making time to share your wisdom with the world. Thank you, Hugh. Thanks for listening today to the Orchestrating Success Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes to stay focused on ways to redefine leadership and increase your profit. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.